0: Welcome to StoryWise. This is the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you that you too can make your dream a reality. I am Jen Grisanti, the Story Career Consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc. Today, my guest is Patrick Sean Smith, and I am very, very excited to have him. Um, Sean. Is the executive producer creator of the ABC Family show Greek, which is in its third season? Holy and crap. I know I can't believe it. <laughs> and Sean and I go back way back um, to my spelling days when Sean worked on the show Summerland. Other than Greek, Sean has worked on The Chronicle, Everwood, Summerland, Supernatural, and Wildfire. Thank you for joining me, Sean. Thank you so
1: much for having me here. I'm honored.
0: I am so excited to have you because I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you.
1: Thank you. You helped me start my career. You, it's, you know, it's one of those stories where you wish that somebody would, would take a chance with you and support you and you have no credits and not a lot of experience, but, um, yeah, it was, it, it, you were amazing for my career, so you, you. you got me started, which was amazing, so thank you.
0: When I see what you've done, when I see and I think back to the day we met, and I think, look at what he's done since. <laughs> tell, tell our audience about your journey, your writing journey, from the beginning of your career to this point.
1: Well it all I mean it's strange because so much started for me in college and and writing about greek it, it was such a transformative time for me i think um, when i knew that i wanted to work in in the industry so i went to the university of texas at austin and studied tv criticism there and eventually after that moved to la and my first my first industry job was as a writer's uh, a writer's pa for dick wolfs production company and at that point in my career especially at that point in my age I was like 902 and over Buffy those are the only two shows I'm gonna work on um, and then I got this job on law and order and I was like all right well I, I that's been around for a while I guess it's a good job and I learned so much from the people there I you know what I, what I found in terms of, of storytelling was you know, was story formula, you know, not a lot on the characters, but just kind of telling interesting stories that are compelling. Um,
0: with uh, a beginning, a middle and an end, which is interesting because you've done mostly serialized sense.
1: Absolutely. Since then. But, um, but that was kind of like my first, my first start into TV and, and coming from UT, I I learned a lot about kind of, um, having a voice and being able to articulate, articulate that creatively, but I didn't know a lot about the entertainment industry. So it took, I, it, it took me moving out here and kind of getting my feet wet through Dick Wolf's production company to realize I wanted to focus on writing because I I had interned with Linda Opes before that and I had a sense of like the feature producer but I didn't have a a clear sense of what a TV producer did and when I realized that really you know especially for Dick Wolf you know who's very much a salesman as well as has started out as a writer that the writer is the king in the business it's you know as far as TV that's you know that's really where it's at that's where you have the most influence so it was out of that opportunity that I started to to really start my writing career and, and focus on writing. So um, while I was while I was there, they didn't really have any writers' assistants positions um, in their company at that time. But I kind of lobbied for one, and I went into Dick Wolf's office, and I was like, I want to be a writer's assistant because I want to start writing, and he was amazingly supportive. Like he his his advice to me was. You know, so you really want to be a writer? I was like, absolutely, sir. Yes, sir. I really want to. And he's like, it's a terrible job. It's lonely and it sucks. And I was like, you make it sound so glamorous, sir. And he's like, but it also can be the most rewarding thing you do. So um, that kind of, you know, it it was his encouragement that kind of got me going to that next step.
0: That's a great first person to encourage you. It was
1: was a great first person. And I've been meaning to reconnect with him since then just uh, to show like...
0: I'm sure for the would Love to hear from you. What I've, a wonderful. Let's
1: story. call him. Yeah, let's, we'll call him right <laughs> now. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Information, <how are> <laughs> Richard Wolf. Um, but uh, but that's kind of where I where I really got started. Uh, that was my first job. And then after that, um, I I'd, I'd, I'd worked. Uh, I lobbied for the writer's assistant position, and uh, Dick at that time was developing two shows, Special Victims Unit, um, which at the time on NBC was called Sex Crimes, as they were just developing it as six six scripts is what they bought at first and then also uh the WB series DC which um I had the opportunity to work with John August and it was just the most amazing you know opportunity and and uh when I was talking to 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 dick about the writer's assistant job. He was like, well, I think you'd be good on special victims unit. Cause I had done a lot of research for the show, legal research for the show. And he was like, I think you'd be great at generating story ideas, you know, through research. And I was like, no, I want to work on DC. And, uh, DC
0: is more what I see you on. DC. So that and... was, that was incredible. You had great people on your path. That I have, I, I have
1: from John. And then after that, um, I worked on the Chronicle, which was Silvio Orta's first show. And he gave me great. my first, uh, first writing gig. But, um, um, you know, I was just a writer's assistant on on The Chronicle. I worked with a uh, Javier Grio Mark Swatch was on that staff, Hans Beimler, Noreen Shankar, right. Henry Alonzo yeah. Myers, just yeah. really lucked into working with some amazing People who've been great friends and and have been really supportive along the way, and that means more to me than you can imagine. It's you know again, it's 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 having people that believe in you at times when you don't believe in yourself so much that kind of gets you through the day a little bit more. Um, so from the Chronicle, um, that's when I started working on Everwood, uh, where I was had the opportunity to work with Greg Berlanti and another amazing writing staff and Rena Mamoon and Vanessa Taylor, who's done so much for my career. I really I need to. Like write more thank you letters. I need to start sending out we little more. Son, Rena.
0: Yes, we love an adorableness, <laughs> Yes, yes, <do. laughs>
1: yes. And it was it was out and of, Greg and Greg. Greg is um, a
0: phenomenal talent. I'm very proud of him as well. Ab- yeah.
1: gave me three scripts and and the education of a lifetime that uh, I take with me through everything that I work on and in, in, uh, in looking at character storytelling, letting letting characters tell the story. Um, which at sometimes can be challenging where it's like, I know I want this thing to happen. I'll just make these people do these things. But you break, you know, the truth to the character and trying to write from a place of real and reality. So um, while I was on Everwood, I uh, was able to get into the Warner Brothers writers uh, dramatic program. And that's not what it's called, but it's something like that. I'm yeah, Warner frightened.
0: Brothers program. Yeah, that's uh, great. Which was great. The writers program. And
1: then from that, I uh, while I was on Everwood, I wrote three scripts, and then uh, Vanessa helped me get uh, Vanessa Taylor helped me uh, introduce me to my agent, uh, who I have now. So it was kind of all through that where it was through those writers assistant Andy positions.
0: Elkin at Andy CAA. Elkin. Yes, <laughs> shout out. What what?
1: Um, <laughs>
0: we love Andy, <laughs> who's
1: been with me since the very beginning. You know, the start of my career and. Uh, believed in Greek and got it out there and you know it's, I have him to thank for a lot as well
0: now on that note and I know that there were some shows in there that we'll talk about as well but on that note you it's fascinating to me you were not in the Greek system so how fascinating that you what inspired this concept
1: I think what I what I really wanted to do and this was at a time to step back to thank you again for my first staff job, which was Summerland. After Everwood, um, I was able to, you know, through a lot of help, through a lot of, you know, uh, supporters and people who just really kind of, you know, helped me get it. Really uh, met Rami Ovishan, who you know has also I've been in touch with, and and he hired me on Wildfire. But Summerland was my first staff writer job. Everything else had been freelance that I picked up as writers as a writer's assistant. So, um, you know, and I I, I want to tell everybody the story about, you know, I uh, was done as a writer's assistant on Everwood. I was looking to staff and um, I uh, had the opportunity to set up a meeting with you, Jen, and went into your office. And uh, I was just like, you know, I don't know what I have to do, but I really want to impress her and really like get her to help me out. And I came in, and you were just like, "All right, we're gonna find you a job." And it was it, it. You never hear you hear people trying to tear you down. You hear people, you know, trying to you know to to challenge you. But you believed in me. You'd read my material, and you believed in me, and and that that was everything.
0: And I still do. And I <laughs> I, I I have believed in you the whole way. I remember reading your script and really seeing your voice from the beginning which at that point in time and your age was a very rare thing and it it was very spelling-esque as well I mean it was very easy to see your voice to read your material and go okay where are we going to put him and where will he land and Ramey you know, I worked. I worked very well with Andy and Ramy. I mean, Andy. All Andy knew my taste, so it was a a team effort. And it was. And then letting Ramy see, you know, what I saw in you, and then you went in the room and you nailed it.
1: And you 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 coached me for the meeting, and you actually went into the meeting with me. So there was there was. There was some help there, a lot of help, but you I are
0: why it. I love what I do. Oh thank you yes. You are. <laughs> you are when I hear when I'm reminded of stories of writers, you know, getting their first break, I don't think there's any better feeling for an executive than knowing that you helped staff a writer that was right for the show that worked for the show that and then you watch them climb, and there's no better feeling. Oh, yeah. That's it, cool. It was a huge part of the reward of being a current executive. That's yes. very cool. Yes. Now, I want you to take us into the moment that your pilot got picked up to series. What was that feeling?
1: It was it was amazing. I mean, the, the moment that I remember specifically was when the network uh, uh committed to shooting the pilot and i i remember specifically i was in my apartment and this was coming off of like a year of not working so i wrote greek on spec i you know i'd finished on summerland which was great um and then i was trying to staff and i wasn't finding anything honestly and uh and while i had that time i wrote greek as a spec um and it was kind of always with you know, the, the the description to my agents that it's going to be something that it's original material that you can send out there, but with the deep personal hope that maybe it will sell, um, which I think everybody kind of goes in with that expectation. But I think you also kind of mitigate that and be like, well, you know, expect the worst hope for the best. Um, so uh, it was when the network called and said that they wanted to just even shoot the pilot. I was in my Apartment. It was the middle of the day. I ended the phone call and I screamed and like did a dance that I, I can't. I I don't know where it came from. It was pure, you know, joy and just enthusiasm. And then from there, I just you know, I I, I kind of was blessed with a little lack of experience to see you know to have. I, I, I wanted it. Is Ignorance blessed. is yeah. bliss. And I kind of I wanted I, I had a feeling it would go like I, I, I was confident in it when I wrote it. I I kind of wanted to put more comedy in the one hour format, um, which is what they were doing for Desperate Housewives and Ugly Betty, but nothing for young adults, which I kind of felt like I had an opportunity there that nobody had really taken yet. There was you know, there was levity in the OC. There was levity in Everwood, but kind of hitting that that 80s brand comedy that was so far away from angst and just kind of like, you know, uh silly, you know, kind of
0: like Ferris Bueller's Day off. Ferris Bueller's off.
1: Day yeah. off and anything Tom Hanks, like eighties yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, and anything John Hughes, that there was always a, like a kind of a broad comedy but with a real genuine heart. And that's so you almost what I found thought in
0: terms of branding. You were you were pretty actually ahead of your time. It's it's like you thought of a brand that hadn't really been explored in television. And went after that
1: well I I think because it it spoke more to my instincts it was something that for a one-hour format I enjoyed putting more comedy in it, and sometimes on Everwood. And, you know, Greg's very funny. Rena's hysterical. Um, and in, in sometimes my first drafts, they would be like, this is too much. This is too much. I'm like, how can comedy be too much? If it makes people laugh, it makes people laugh. But you have to accept the tone of the show. And I wanted Greek to kind of push the boundaries on that and have, you know, big pratfalls that can be silly and fun and that still you can have an emotional moment that resonates with, with the audience. So, um,
0: And here you are how many episodes later?
1: It's we just celebrated the completion of our 50th two episodes ago. So we're in 52
0: episodes. Wow. Um, in about two, about two and a half years. so. And And I want this to serve as an inspiration to all of you out there to recognize this journey that you're speaking of from staff writer to running your own show. How many years has it been? From... So it can happen. Oh, yeah, it can happen. You look at it. People who are who say, "Can I create a show? What if I'm not a supervising producer? Can I sell a show?" Yeah, and you did.
1: You, it mean, can be you done. Did. it was a It was definitely a lot of work, and I think it was a lot of you know. Um...
0: Tell me about that work, as far as going from being on staff to actually being being involved in the entire creative process
1: i um I mean the the first thing that I had to do after they after they picked up the show to series was write a Bible, and that I think was a really important time for me to kind of like figure out what the stories were and and more, I kind of stepped away from it and just thought, if I was watching this show, what would I want to see from this show um and kind of you know speaking again to the the untapped well of you know looking at taking eighties movies type feels and putting them into, into, uh, into the world of Greek, um, was kind of a fun exercise. And I felt, I always felt like that kind of created story, uh, for opportunities for comedy. Um, but, um, but, uh, the beginning it was, you know, I, I was very clear on what I wanted. Uh, I worked uh, with Gil Younger who directed the pilot, who, um, was great and and kind of like, Helping me find the tone, and I think out of the tone, that created a lot of story ideas, Um, specifically, you know, um, between brother and sister and the love triangle. Um,
0: When you were staffing, like, did you look— for people who had firsthand experience of the Greek life, or did you, or the family life, or the like people when you were, what was it like for you suddenly to be on the other side of staffing?
1: It was, it was pretty weird just because I didn't know. I didn't know what questions to ask. I was more focused, uh, not intentionally focused, but I was more aware of personality and clicking with people. I would read their material. Um, and at that point I'd been partnered with um, a, a very talented writer, Ann Kenny, who yeah. um, was a, an executive producer on the show with me and, and kind of we ran the show uh, in the beginning, uh, very closely together. And I learned a lot from her. So I have to give her a lot of credit as well for, you know, teaching me the management of it all. And I was, I was paired with, uh, Lloyd Segan and Sean Piller as my executive, my non-writing executive producers, which also kind of gave me some cushion, but I wanted to be involved in absolutely everything. So, um, but in this
0: 24 seven, what was,
1: yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was 24 seven. And, uh, um, uh, we went into it, pretty quickly. So um, for staffing, you know, I found some amazing writers who had uh, some fraternity and sorority experience. I met an a brilliant writing team who um, had already written a couple of pilots about the Greek system. So they kind of brought, uh, and who are they, uh, Amy Rarden and Jessica O'Toole, right. um, who are just hysterical. And it had come from the feature world and really kind of found an opportunity and a voice in TV that I just see get louder and stronger and, you know, every day. Um, so then, um, uh, you know, it's, I, it was but it, in terms of staffing it was like i would i think i'd only been on like i'd been in a couple of staffing meetings the one i remembered most was summerland um but i was kind of I, I i would think back to the conversation that i had with Raimi and, and kind of like uh, more ask questions of what can what characters do you connect with the most what life experience do you have to bring to this that sort of thing um so
0: did that seem surreal?
1: It, it did. <laughs> it, go, it, it, I'm it also on the other
0: side of the couch now. It felt presumptuous and yeah. inappropriate
1: for, for me to be asking these questions. And I remember my first one. I, was, I think I was more nervous than the person we were actually meeting. That's um, great. And at times it turned into probably more of like an interview, like a talk show. So it's like, so tell me where you're from and how you know. And I totally had no. It was but not truth even connecting. be
0: told. I mean, that's what the staffing experience is. It really is pulling out story and figuring out what is the well that this person has inside and does that well apply to the concept of my show right so i think you know i i i love that you went from one side to the other and and here we are three seasons later i mean this is absolutely incredible what even between seasons what would you say if you were to say your first season a lesson that you learned go and then going into the second season what what would be maybe be a lesson or two
1: um gosh I mean a lot of a lot I, I grew as a writer a lot I think that I'm pretty organized so I kind of kept up with the the day-to-day of it with cuts and scripts and notes and such but um, you know one one thing that I learned a lot is it is story it's you know when I had the opportunity at Dick Wolf's company I, I, I learned a lot then but as I grew in, in more character-based storytelling um, the thing that I learned a lot from Ann Kenny which I'm, I'm proud of in Greek that it has a fair amount of story so there's action that keeps the characters going you still have characters you know taking the time to to grow as people, but at the same time there's plenty of story going on and I feel like that that was something I didn't necessarily have in the beginning and then I feel like I've I'm still learning.
0: I I think we're I think everyone's always learning in this writing world. It's like you never completely even when you do master one thing, then you're always learning something else. Right. And the only way we learn is sometimes we fall, then we have to get back up and you learn what works and the greatest thing about Current programs and having a series on the air is you have this tool right of television and and looking at story every week and figuring out what works and what doesn't work with your writer's room because I notice um writers' rooms have all been different what um what did you learn from writer rooms you've learned in the pat you've been on in the past and applying it to how your writer's room works on Greek
1: I think um Probably a, a m- well, I, I would say the the lesson that I remember the most was from *Everwood*, where it was really kind of like staying on the characters, you know, getting a sense of what the story was about, and and the areas that you were going to touch on, you know. Do you
0: all, are you all in the room?
1: We're all, you break story? we're all there together. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's me hopefully coming in with a clear enough vision for uh, where we're going to start off and then have everybody talk. And it's, you know, it's what they have from their life to share, what, um what they see for the characters, what they'd like to see from the characters, what they wouldn't. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely collaborative and, you know, having everybody, you know, Talk to the direction of the show and the direction of the characters and everything that, um, you know, I th- I think it it speaks to the success of the show that I I I I try to take everything into account because I think that makes me feel more confident when I make the decision creative decision of which way we're going to go with this character. Um
0: now what about within your concept have you found your concept what do you like most about your concept and what have you maybe found to be a little limiting Concept the, in the concept of Greek like the uh, it what about working for a cable chan, uh cable network
1: Um I, ABC family's been really supportive of the show since day 1 I think that they Can you be edgy? I, I I can actually when I wrote the pilot you know in as edgy as you know me to be Jen which <laughs> makes you laugh, I know. Um, PG. <laughs> PG. When I wrote it, I was like, you know, I was like, I'm writing something for HBO, because there was a lot of sex, and there was a lot of drinking, and there was a lot of drinking without consequences, which to me felt... College. It's it college, and it's authentic, and that's what ABC Family wanted from the beginning. They said, we want this to be authentic. We want this to be oh, a real look at this world. Um, and... Uh, for me, the the edge. I never wanted to do edge for the sake of edge. To me, it's it's not appealing. I, it's I can't. It's truth. It's truth. It's yeah. truth, and it's it's never it's never salacious, but it's you know it's it's honest. So I think that that's what we try to focus on in Greek. It's never um,
0: gratuitous. Gratuitous. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. At what point in your life did you know? Now I know in college you mentioned it. I'm always intrigued by the role that story played in childhood. Did you were there things in childhood that you remember? Oh my god this seems amazing and I want to do this. I want to create this. Did you have those moments?
1: I I was always the biggest TV fan. I was, you know, what I call an indoor kid. I did I was not out playing. I was inside watching TV and <clears throat> um, for me I was always so aware of Aaron Spelling so and Charlie's Angels. I? Yeah. I how could yeah. you not be I, I mean did. the man was amazing and that's yeah. where you know I, I had a, a life goal of of working for Aaron Spelling and you gave me that opportunity oh, on that. Summerland so that was just like one of those things I was like awesome I did that because that was a child a childhood thing it that was
0: like a check a big check off a huge check <laughs> with like a
1: giant thick marker that I was so excited about um, but um, I, I, I you know I grew up in a small town in Texas, four thousand people. It was like Friday night lights, totally that was my life. And uh you know, I I managed to get through high school, you know, and uh but I but I always wanted to work in TV and film and my parents were always supportive. Uh so from Were you an
0: only child?
1: I have an older sister. Okay. Which is a lot, you know, story from life that's a lot of Greek is is kind of me growing up as the the annoying younger brother always trying to get into a sister's world. So, Aww, um, I like that. yeah. And every time we talk about Greek in the family, my sister's like, yep, that's me. Yep. <laughs> I should, I should get a percentage of that. Are you
0: ever afraid of that? I always wonder with writers of, I know like, are you afraid to visit themes, universal themes that happen in childhood that you fear, Family may interpret wrong, or is that something that you completely openly explore?
1: I I really openly explore it. I don't think I I feel like that would trip me up, and uh, and my family has been so excited and supportive about everything that I've done. So there have, there have been moments in Greek where I've been like, oh, this is my dad is totally going to see himself in this character, and I have not heard him say anything. So if he listens to this, he's now going to rewatch. Every episode of Greek and be like, is that what he was talking about? But
0: that's what writing is. I yeah, mean totally. we, you know, you create what you know. Absolutely and, and you draw from universal life experience. Speaking of universal life experience, yes. I do because I, I think part of this podcast is I like to have diverse writers, I like to have female writers who've done extremely well and explain what that journey is. I know that you are openly openly gay. And Wait,
1: what? Oh, <laughs> Jen. Oops. Um, I Just knew
0: kidding. that. Kidding is a phase. I'm always fascinated by the story behind that when you know as a child that you are different and what that coming out process is because, quite honestly, I think it heavily. Goes into the universal life experience of your writing.
1: I, I, I think it goes back to the spelling thing too. When I was a young kid, I, was, I knew I was gay um, in a small town, and spelling was my outlet. Um, but, um, but um, you know, it's I, I I'd say it. It really helped me kind of. Want more in my life? I, I, I got along really well with kids my own age. It was a small town, you know. Families grew up with families, and I had the best kind of like uh, upbringing with with some amazing people who I'm still friends with and and still see every every time I go home. Um, but there was, I mean, there was a part of me that that always felt like there was kind of more out there. I don't know if that meant more in terms of you know. Uh, My sexual orientation and feeling because it it, i didn't come out until i was 21 mostly because i didn't understand the lifestyle Mm -hmm. like i my only window into that world through small town texas was television so um i didn't understand what it meant to be gay i would see it as kind of you know um matt from melrose place which i was like i as a gay man, will not get a lot of screen time, um, or you know some of the the darker movies that I would see where it was more back alley kind of sorted stuff, and I was like, I don't want, I don't want to live that kind of lifestyle, um, and it was it wasn't until I really got to know some older, you know, uh, kind of established gay people in their lives that I felt confident enough to say, that's it, okay, I get it. I I, I knew what I felt physically, but I couldn't reconcile that. You know, intellectually, with what exactly that would mean in my life. So I think there was there was always that that expectation that there was something more out for me. And uh, you know, growing up in a small town and and being gay, I didn't date a lot, and I I wanted you know I wanted relationships and I wanted personal connection. And I think that that kind of also helped me get out to L.A. That the the idea that there is more out there and how much more is there, and I'm just going to keep going and until you know I stopped. Uh, to see what else is out there, but I would say that had a lot to do with kind of growing up, you know. Uh, in the I mean, closet, seeing Mad
0: on Melrose Place. I love love the idea that, and actually, my ex-husband played his gay love interest. <laughs> um, I had no idea. Yeah, no way. Yeah, that's so funny. But it it is an interesting thing because I love knowing that a character created by Spelling and Darren Starr had an effect on a viewer to say, this is okay. Very. And so. it's more than okay. This is who I am right. and this is taking me out of my isolation. Right. Do you deliver the same back to your viewers through your writing?
1: Every day, yeah. With with the character of Calvin I think it's um I, I, I wanted to create kind of, again, like I was looking for the next evolution in a genre of, of comedy and drama for young people. And, and I kind of wanted to find that next step for gay characters in television where he's not weighed down by angst. He's not weighed down um, by, you know, kind of society. And it was it was really interesting when we were breaking that episode. We went to the immediate place of so the dad comes to visit and the dad is down on him because he's gay. Um but what I did, you know, ABC Family has a very uh, is, is very uh, interested and in, in focused on the millennial uh, audience. So I did a lot of research and I talked to a lot of kids in their late teens, early twenties about this, uh, about homosexuality and how they felt about it. And they were kind of like, "It's it's really a non issue." And I was like,
0: "Really?" Oh, it's so, wonderful to hear that maybe future generations are getting to a stronger place with it.
1: I never. I mean, honestly, I never thought it could come to that as far as evolving out of, you know, our society. Small cities,
0: through... though, I have to imagine that it's still an issue in I'm many sure. small cities. So I think television exploring that issue, and I, I applaud you for your courage, because that is a life perspective you know, and I know that is something that you have explored in your, even your spec scripts going into, which, which is a unique life perspective. Right. So I applaud anybody who looks at what they write and says, okay, now it's not like I'm going to be branded as that type of writer, but at the same time, it is the perspective that I was brought up with and I know. Right. So I'm going to help others feel less isolated through exploring this with courage. right? And and I think that's, I, I think that is fantastic. Have you gotten like any fan mail from people who, is that something, does that, does that I don't know if... Well, you don't get fan mail. Do you know, know 90210 means... in Melrose, it was so funny because there was a company that handled that, and I don't think I've really heard of it on many shows since.
1: No, I think it's so much message boards, and, mm-hmm. and we've actually, you know, Glad has been a big supporter of the show. We've been nominated twice now for... Uh, once for Best Drama, once for Best Comedy. Um, Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and uh, a lot of the gay publications, uh, LGBT, publications have supported the show wholeheartedly and have, have embraced it. And for a show about frater, uh, fraternities and sororities, it's something you'd never, you know, kind of expect. But I feel like that um, I, I feel like with this character, it's, it's resonating in a, in a way that that's empowering people. Because what I, about
0: the message boards? What is that like as a writer? Is that scary?
1: It's it's scary but I do it good. it's it's really like it's do I, you
0: learn from it
1: I do, do it's tough because you want to you want to take the good but you don't want to take the bad but sometimes you need to hear the bad um, and you just kind of I think you take it in, for what you need it to be it's it's not always I'm not looking for praise necessarily it's more like how are people feeling about this relationship how are fe- people feeling about this character is there something to be mindful of but I think it's 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 really you know in a way it's it's changed television yeah. Because I think that I, I started to really notice it I think in Allie McBeal where it seemed like uh, you know, uh, David E. Kelly was able to start to speak to the audience as people were talking about his show in a much faster way that had never really existed before, which I thought was really interesting. And I think the faster and the more information there is through the internet, it's you know, we've had moments where we've done little shout outs to things that we read on message boards. And sometimes the message boards will say like Oh my God! Are they talking to us right now? And I'm like, Yes, we are.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah, but so it's the interactivity of it all. Do you guys do webisodes?
1: We don't do webisodes, but one thing that we do that's really interesting and, and seems to be bringing a lot of attention to the show is uh, online viewing parties. Right. Which essentially you stream the episode while you're in a in almost a chat room with other viewers that come in at that time, and you can have a dialogue with people that are all over the world as you're watching the show oh that's fantastic
0: um, and, how do people do that
1: uh it's just through the abcfamily.com website right that you go on and uh originally i think when they first launched it for greek i think they had an expectation of maybe four to five thousand viewers and they were hit with seventy five thousand Oh, which my it crashed gosh. it crashed the server or whatever and oh my
0: gosh that's fantastic it's been
1: great and greek has really you know found a life online i think that when when paul lee our president went to bob Iger after the first 10 aired and said can we pick this show up he had already pulled up itunes and we had eight of our 10 episodes in the top 10 on itunes and he was like why aren't you and it was it it really spoke to you know that next wave multi-platform and kind of networks and studios being aware of not just you know Nielsen numbers, but you know, downloads and streaming and things like, you know, viewing parties.
0: I mean, again, I think, you know, which is the beauty, I think, of television and film and novels is writing period is the idea of breaking down the walls of isolation. So I remember totally. with Melrose how there would be huge viewing parties in 90210. So to hear it go even much further... And doing it on the internet, I think that I think that's amazing. What about Twitter? Is Twitter a part of anything you (laughs) (laughs)
1: it is. I the network asked me to Twitter. So I Twitter occasionally.
0: How Um, can people find you on Twitter?
1: I think it's uh, a Greek show. I don't know more than that. I'm learning I'm learning it as I go. But it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. How about Facebook? Has Facebook been good?
1: Facebook has been great. I mean, ABC Family is really, it's, you know, it's a smaller network. And I think that they're looking for promotion and publicity, uh, especially for that millennial audience. And it's its a lot online. It's, it's through Facebook and Twitter that a lot of kids, you know, uh, correspond and, and, and talk about entertainment and show favor, you know, uh, show that they're fans by joining the Facebook pages and everything. I so. feel
0: amazing to feel like I have a voice. That is hitting multi-platforms, and I am leaving a message.
1: It's really, it's really awesome.
0: That is, I'm so proud of you. And on that note, we will take a break.
1: You're listening to StoryWise with entertainment consultant Jen Grisanti. StoryWise is a podcast designed to give you the story behind the people who tell stories, offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film, Hear this and other podcasts on www.JenCrisantiConsultancy.com, a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision.
0: Okay, we are back with Sean Smith of Greek. Sean, as far as your writing career, if you were in thinking of writers who are just starting their careers, what advice would you give brand-new writers?
1: Um, I mean, it's, I would encourage them to start writing as soon as possible. I I really didn't start kind of focusing on specs and stuff until later, Um, probably, well, mid to late 20s. But I I wish that I had taken the time in college to be more aware of of the fact that I could write specs, uh, just to kind of grow as a writer. Um, that was something that, that uh, a lot of UT Austin didn't know that much about television or kind of the spec market or the industry. So I think it's it's really kind of start writing and, and write.
0: Do you still write spec scripts?
1: I haven't. I, I think the – I was trying to remember the last spec script that I wrote, and I think it was I, – I was starting a house, um, and it was as Greek was kind of – getting attention at ABC Family, but to the credit of my agents, they were like, finish the house, finish the house. I was like, it's going to go, it's going to go. So I didn't have to finish that house.
0: (laughs) Oh, very interesting. That was a good range for you because you had written more The Young Boys, so I I think that was a good choice for you. Yeah. Spec scripts. Now, when you got your agent, do you remember how many scripts you had at that point in time?
1: I think I'd, I'd I'd given them maybe three scripts
0: that's usually what I find one was an original yeah
1: Yeah. one was an original and then one was I think a practice so I had a procedural and then another um, I think was uh, six feet under so it was I I remember
0: reading your practice and your six feet under that's what yeah uh, (laughs) yeah I remember I'm trying to remember which one I read when we for Summerland I think it may have been your six feet under I think so yeah I think it was Uh, oh I love six feet under just as like six feet under right now, I think um, the specs I tell people to write right now, and you tell me if you've read any of these, are um, uh, Breaking Bad, Damages, Mad Men. Um, honestly, I think a, a spec that I would love to see become big is Big Love.
1: That's smart. I mean, you it's know? because it's there's a lot you can do with those characters so in that much. world. And in kind of a six feet under kind of way. It's mm-hmm. like... Uh,
0: and I think True Blood will also become a big spec. Uh, I bet
1: that'll be huge. Yeah, yeah. I do too. I'd like to read some of those. Yeah,
0: because we look at it when you're in a job where you're reading millions of scripts and you think about, okay, what's different and what voice haven't I heard before and can they grasp the complexity of the spec script?
1: Yeah, it's it's not easy. And I think that even kind of looking back on when I was writing a practice, uh, when I was writing the pra- that practice spec, um, I was I was so aware of the formula of it and i think when you have shows like true blood and big love that you're writing it's
0: there there really isn't such a a solid formula as there once was true blood in particular i mean my gosh true blood like deviates from everything you learn about story structure and you just go wow somehow it works i
1: watch it and i i I don't even I, i can't i can't wrap my head around it so yeah like Thank you, Alan Ball. I know. is <laughs> that and the fear, truth? Yet again. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no <laughs> I think the
0: formula is the way to get writing down well. Like how I tell writers who I work with to study formula is look at the act outs, write down the story points right. of every commercial break, and that will give you a sense of formula. And in my experience of story, you know, my feeling is everything comes down to the setup of the gold dilemma of your central character for the episode, because right. everything reflects back to that gold dilemma.
1: Well, and I think I, you know, advice that I would give also on specs, and and uh, I remember it because Vanessa Taylor gave it to me, and um, was you know really kind of make a mark with it. I think it's um, I think the my. First big mistake was I think I wrote a Felicity, um, and I, I wrote that, that with- as well. <laughs> 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 but I was I was kind of like by the time I was finished with it, I was like, this is an episode of Felicity, but it has to be more than that. It yeah. has to be the most amazing episode of Felicity that you wouldn't see on TV. But it would it, it kind of brands you in a way that it you can you're not You'll just chances. Yeah, you can't you can't leave the bar at at um, and that I could see this on TV. It has to be more than that. It has to be special. It has to it has to have your voice, you yeah. know, in your choices. Um, when you
0: say voice, it's an interesting thing because I have said it to others. I've had it said to me, which is fascinating to be on the other side of it. But when you <laughs> say when you say your voice, what do you do? You refer to in your interpretation of seeing someone's voice reflected on the page.
1: I think it's it's it's. I don't know it's it's I, I've never tried to articulate it before I think it's is not that
0: interesting I said I bet any person you ask this question is going to have a different answer
1: right I um, think that it makes it feel distinct that yeah. it makes it feel like an individual it it, it it is a felicity but it's a special felicity because it's through this one person's vision or voice that yeah you know um,
0: you go deeper into the moments I think my interpretation of it is when you take a script and you go okay Look at the concept of the script. Now, what fascinates me the most about this story? And does the writer go there? Right. Like what confrontation or what um, scene uh, when two characters finally get together, whether it's confrontation or not, even a confrontation, but something that you want to know more about and right. being willing to go there without barrier. Right.
1: Right. And I think choices, I mean, it's it, it all comes down to me when I'm reading scripts, it's kind of choices that people make that um, and I, I love it when it's not necessarily the choice that I would make, because I think you want to have that counterpoint in your room. When you're staffing, you want to have somebody who kind of brings a different perspective to things and one that you can kind of still understand and appreciate. Um, I think is also kind of important, but I feel like that you can't give that advice because I think that has to be natural. Yeah. You can't look at it and be like, "I'm going to write something that I would never write." It's like, well, you're doing yourself a disservice.
0: But that's something in knowing your truth. Like that's why I say I applaud you for recognizing your story because something that I instill in writers is the idea of the healthier we are inside. The stronger you are on the page the more access you have to your story which my brand is developing from within right meaning that do the emotional work because then you will have more access to the universal life moments that some of us are so afraid of exploring but when yeah. you do that's where the gold is
1: i think it's therapeutic too in a way you know? yeah. yeah for me it's it, and especially the six feet under i remember when i wrote that and it was just kind of a first it was the first time i'd really kind of gone dark and edgy and there was something really satisfying in it I think for getting my own stuff out on the page and putting it through those characters so
0: and now in speaking of your voice because you really get to know your voice when you go from the spec script to the pilot what was when you wrote your very first pilot was that scary what did you learn from that experience um it wasn't a
1: you know I think the the first pilot that I wrote the original material that went out was definitely it 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 was i think it spoke to a learning experience i I don't think it was anything that um I enjoyed it but for greek it was it was much more about what I would want to see and what I would want to do um in a way that I felt confident that it could relate to other people so um it was it was a little Daunting at times, but I but I took my time doing it. Um, I took my time writing it, and I was unemployed, so I had a ton of time to write it. But um, just as far as developing it with with the characters that I wanted to see, the characters I wanted to write to the you know the the big theme of Greek is kind of the the state. My thesis statement is what Casey tells Rusty at the end, which is you left black and white back in high school at Shades of Gray, and I felt like there was a lack of gray. Oh, in, I love
0: that. That's uh, great.
1: Well, it's it's there was a lack of gray in kind of young adult television shows. It was, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Walsh kids always did what was right and everybody was always doing what was right. And in college, it, you know, you don't always have to do what's you right. Make and you suffer the consequences.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think that's great. And now, um, looking at your own career, I may put you on the spot with this and I apologize if yeah, I do. Yikes. If you, were, <laughs> if you were to think of a humbling moment in your career of either a mistake that you made or a something that you learned from in the creative process what would you say that would be
1: oh there are countless
0: (laughs) (laughs) see I love hearing that that's honest
1: I mean I think that I you know I um no I think I think I learn every day I, I try to keep ego out of the show and I try to keep it out of my life. And, um, I'm proud of the staff and, and, and not, I, I think it makes those humbling lessons a little less painful, but at the same time you're receptive to them. So, um, no, I think that, you know, i I'm sure I've, I've been, I'm, yeah, it's, there, there's so much more that I want to do in my career that I'm humbled by seeing what other people are doing and, and that I know that there's more for me to do past that
0: what do you view as your strength as a writer at this point
1: um i i'm a huge i love dialogue i mean i think that i love how did um, you learn dialogue i just for me there's I think from comedy and just kind of growing up and, you know, always wanting to be the funny kid and always wanting to entertain people. And, you know, I was always a sucker for an audience and not, I was kind of, I was still sort of introverted, but if I had somebody one on one, then, um, I enjoyed you know, telling jokes, and I think that was kind of my upbringing. So I think a lot of the dialogue in Greek for me is is entertaining to find kind of the natural comedy that you can find in regular conversations. Um, and that's where I like kind of keeping keeping the show grounded and real, but that's where I feel like the comedy plays at its most, where it's, it, 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 it's a normal situation where people can hang out and talk, but then you can have these really kind of ridiculous things that, for me, I, I feel like I kind of wish that that was my daily life it's my wish fulfillment to be like you know i wish that i constantly had this much you know fun and funny things happening in your world
0: and finding the light within the darkness
1: absolutely yeah
0: yeah no that that is great well dialogue is something that's very hard for people to grasp so i always say like you know if you go out to coffee stores listen to other people talk recognize people don't talk in such complete sentences Figure out, you know, the your inner circle and how different people are, and and yeah. and you know how differently you hear people as a way to figuring out how to diversify your your characters.
1: Yeah, on a more and, technical level, I actually my production or my incorporation company name is Ellipses because I have a, a huge. Uh, Habit of abusing ellipses to where it's like I'll end sentences with ellipses, but more just because I like I don't want the closure of the sentence, it's really lame and stupid. But, um, but I think that you know, but it's
0: authentic, but I feel it's authentic. I feel <laughs> yeah. like a lot
1: of times it's it's never like people talk totally. We
0: don't we just don't think about those things. No, I think that's great. Now, you described that you went a year without working after being staffed. Tell me what that experience was like, feeling like you finally got your first staff job, which I have to say, see, it's probably more difficult now as a white staff writer because of all the diversity programs. So what was it like losing that or going a year without, like, what was your what was your routine during that year? Did you write a lot during that year?
1: I wrote all the time. I mean, it, it really. I, I basically, you know, and I, I don't remember at what point I made the decision, but I, I, I felt like I had no control, and I'm kind of a control freak, so you know, I went one round of staffing. You know, I think Summerland ended. Um, Right at the beginning of a staffing season. So I kind of wanted to get back out there. Nothing came of that. I went another year uh, without staffing, and I was just kind of like, it's, you know, I can – this is either going to happen or it's not. And if I don't do everything that I possibly can to make something happen, then I'm going to leave and I'm going to regret not having – tried um, but you have no control it really like when you're in staffing it's it's the hustle of calling friends and you know your agent getting you indoors where he can and uh, you know uh, doing as doing everything you possibly can it's it's a it's it's a madhouse when you're when you're trying to do it but at the end of the day there are absolutely no guarantees it's really a crapshoot
0: and on that note it's networking I mean when I look at you and the group that you formed from like the Berlanti Camp, I feel that was a very tight knit. So speaking to that, like I always tell writers, try not to burn bridges and recognize anyone and everyone around you will be in different places. I mean, you could have a person that's three levels behind you that could be ahead of you next year. Absolutely. So, So be nice. To everyone and be flexible. Uh, on that note, which I know you are perceived as an incredibly friendly person and very easy to get along with, what has what has your experience been with different difficult or challenging personalities in the writer's room?
1: Um I think specifically in the writer's room, it's you you want to keep it as positive as possible. And I think that sometimes you start to see you know, if, if you have difficult personalities where it's kind of turning negative or if it's not productive, I think for me, it's it's easy to pull somebody aside and say this isn't helpful because you have so many other people in the room that are trying to make things work. And for me, it's, you know, on Greek, I think like I mentioned earlier, it's I, I really I, I try to keep. My involvement in Greek Eagle is what I do is best for the show. I don't do what's best for me, and and as uh, given my position on the show, I also don't tolerate it. How did it. you learn that? Um, I think that's just how I am in life. I, I feel like I have so many insecurities that it it took me a while, and I think it was kind of. You know, I had a moment where when ABC Family was interested in Greek, I had to, you know, they called and they said, come in in three days to talk about your vision for the show. And I was terrified. I was paralyzed. I was like, this is not happening. I can't believe this. And, you know, I just I kind of had to I I said, you know, this is yours to screw up. So this is your chance. You can take it and you can, you know, do something great with it. or You can be your worst enemy and keep yourself from it. And I feel like with difficult personalities, especially in this business, it's mostly from people becoming their own worst enemies. And I've seen people do that and and hinder their growth and, and just, like, not have fun not enjoy life not enjoy relationships with people i think the more good people you surround yourself with the more enjoyable your life's going to be so
0: and i think like in your own experience of working with is is i think every writer in this town can say they have worked with difficult showrunners or executive producers at one point or another who just had different visions and you learn from that right you learn what you want to do as a showrunner I think very often the mistake that a lot of people make is they view what didn't work for them and they mimic it rather than learn from it and do it differently
1: right well I've I've, you know I've had I I've had really great experiences with amazingly talented people and I've seen those people remain good people. So I feel like I've learned from the best. That's uh, creatively and also just personality-wise and industry-wise that um I think you just enjoy your life more as opposed to kind of being bitter.
0: Now with regards to your personal life during this all of this heyday of your your rise and um, uh, your personal life has also been in a very good place. You are recently married.
1: Yes. Uh, last October 25th uh, on the island of Maui, right. um, but also in our living room for the state of California, which we got in just under the wire to uh, Carter Covington. How um,
0: exciting. Just under the wire. Just under the
1: wire. We had a, a mobile service come to our house on the 28th and the election was shortly thereafter and, and didn't go the way we wanted it to. But we're, uh, you know, a chosen few who lucked out time wise, unfortunately.
0: Has that bonded you with other couples who maybe got in under the wire as well or has <laughs> it what has that done like i I have wondered that as far as how the community feels about that because that's gotta Bring about a lot of angst.
1: It's tough. I mean, I was talking to this executive about it the other day, and I, I equated it to uh, I feel like we're on Battlestar mm-hmm. where they have like there's 18,000. I feel like we're part of a select 18,000, but I think there's a lot of guilt. That's I think, a
0: unique experience.
1: It's unique, but it's also, you know, I, I say we lucked out because we managed to, you know, meet and fall in love all before a certain date which just really seems unfair. So, um, What is
0: your story to meeting one another?
1: It actually, well, it's funny because it's a little bit tied to Greek at the same time, but it was kind of, you know, I was going through about a year, a year and a half of not working and not really dating. And my mom, who I don't think will mind telling me this story, but I don't... (laughs) think she really knows, you know, how to uh, use a computer or internet. But um, <laughs>
0: I think there are many moms. Yeah. <laughs> she, she will.
1: She'll find it, though. Um, but, uh, you know, I hadn't dated and she was, you know, she always assumed when I when I came out, it was a little bit rough for them because they didn't really know what it meant. I mean, they knew what it meant. But, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, how this was going to affect their lives, I think it meant no grandbabies, So my mom got really aggressive. Um, <laughs> she's since come around and is, you know, in love with Carter and calls her, calls him her son and just really touching um but i was i was i was not dating i was not working so my mom who wants me to move back to texas was basically saying you know well the writing's not working and you're not really dating should you go back to girls and i'm like no (laughs) so um i had heard carter's name mentioned through mutual friends um he had had uh uh uh, friendships through Michael Green, who was on um, Everwood at the time, and then also through mutual friends of Vanessa Taylor, where she comes into my life again, um, Where uh, and everybody said, you guys should meet. And this went on for like maybe three years, and eventually at that point in my life where I wasn't working, I wasn't dating anyone, I I did what I thought was like insanely aggressive, and I sent him, a, and this was on Friendster, so it dates it as well, but I sent him a Friendster message, and I said, we should get coffee, Um and we hung out as friends. He didn't realize that I was really kind of like hitting on him and asking him out. Uh, but um, after that third week, it took off, and and it was pretty great. And it was he had also, in terms of like you know the industry, he had.
0: He is he, succeeding now as well.
1: He's succeeding, and also at ABC Family, right. he had uh, written a, a pilot just out of the Warner Brothers Comedy Workshop program. Uh, Called just a phase. That was the first one of the first original uh, pilots that ABC Family shot when they were getting in the business of original programming. So even after all that, the the same week I met Carter was the same week I got a call from uh, my agent saying that ABC Family was interested. So it was this whole kind of like small world, you know, just kind of everything happening at once. And uh, a, a couple months into my relationship with ABC Family and into my relationship with Carter, one of the executives uh, pulled me aside and was like. I don't know if you're dating anyone right now, but there's a guy, Carter Covington. I'm like, we're celebrating our four month anniversary. Um, oh, that's great! But it was great, and he uh, just finished uh, ten episodes of Ten Things I Hate About You, and he's waiting to hear about that. So, um, and we also worked together on Greek, so we've kind of experienced a lot, you know, through our relationship and and that connection to the industry, which has you know been good and been bad at times, but you know, it's I think it's been a great. But you're on the you're chart.
0: on the tidal wave now. You're at, you're at the tip. Yes. On that note, um, looking at your personal and your professional life, being at such a high peak, dare I say, Fair. if you ever go through the experience of not working again, how did you? What did you learn from your first experience of being on the the height uh, at that moment? That was your height, and now your height is even higher. Do you have a fear of falling off the podium? Do you feel like you're better prepared for the idea of the business now and the recognition that it comes and ebbs and flows?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, I think we prepare to not work, um, and I I expect it. Um, and at this point, with as much I've been working, as much as I've been working, I'm looking to embrace it. But um, I for me, it's... When when it was pretty dark, when I wasn't working, I kind of committed to the idea that of of a second career that I wanted. That I I grew to, not grew to love. I I, I appreciate it as much as what I'm doing now. So I kind of feel like, you know, I want to do this for as long as I can, and until I you know, until I'm not able to do it anymore when it becomes not fun or I just don't have the passion for it, then I do have the other thing that I kind of am ready for, which I think it it, it it's not ideal. It's not what I want to do. I want to continue and I want to do more and more and more right now. But um, it, it gives you a little bit of comfort. It takes a little bit of the pressure off to know that there's something else out there. You know? Well,
0: I think in a time where security has... Been removed from most people's lives and the, in this town and in this world with this economy, I think you're you're having to adjust to the idea of a Plan B is definitely something that is on the forefront of many people's minds. Right. So, you know, but I obviously you are at the pinnacle and and hopefully just going to keep going up because we we love to hear your voice Thank and you. I am so so proud of you to see what you've done success wise and in professional life and in personal life and on that note i want to thank you for joining us it's
1: been a pleasure (laughs) i am
0: i am out with sean smith a creator executive producer of greek thank you so much for joining me
1: thank you very much You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions.
0: StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hothouse Bruiser Productions.